This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to live a spirit-directed life. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we find the story of a man named Simeon. And Simeon is a model for us of what it looks like to live in step with the Holy Spirit, to let your life be directed by the Holy Spirit, and just as importantly, to let your life be redirected by the Holy Spirit. Um, Now, there's really kind of two approaches that we can take when we're determining the course of our life. We can be self-directed or we can be spirit-directed. And the the world is full of self-directed people, people who make decisions about their future, about their finances, about their family, about their job and their education, about their health, about the way they use their time and, and every other aspect of life purely from the perspective of what is best for me. And with a self-directed life, you can experience some success. You can experience healthy relationships. You can experience a meaningful career. You can uh, find hobbies that you enjoy. You can make a difference in your community. But with a self-directed life, you will never build anything beyond yourself. And so as followers of Jesus, the, the question we're asking is not just how, I can, how can I do what's best for me, but we're asking how can I invest my life in a way that makes a difference in God's kingdom, that lasts after I'm gone. And what we'll see in the story of Simeon today is that to follow Jesus is to submit and surrender to a spirit-directed life where you lay down all of your preferences, where you lay down all of your choices, where you lay down all of your dreams and all of your privileges and all of the plans that you have made, and you simply say, Spirit, lead me where you want me to go to do what you want me to do, to say what you want me to say for the benefit of God's kingdom in my life and in the world. And when you live that way, what you'll find is it brings tremendous freedom and tremendous life to you. Now, I know there are some of us in the room that even this morning, we are kind of at a crossroads. We're facing some decisions. There is direction you need, maybe in a relationship. Maybe there's direction you need in your family, as a parent, as a student, as a, an employee, as a boss, just areas where you're saying, Lord, do I stay or do I go? Do I go left or do I go right? Do I? And so this morning, my prayer for you is as we look at the story of Simeon, that the Holy Spirit will speak through the scriptures about God's plan for you, that he'll speak specifically to the situation, the decisions that you're facing this morning, and that you will leave encouraged knowing that God sees you, he knows you, he loves you, and he has a plan for the decisions that you have to make. And you can confidently ask him, you can confidently hear his voice, and you can confidently follow the path that he's laying out for you. So if you have a Bible, let's jump right in. Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 25. And read down through verse 35. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling 
and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This morning we'll see what Simeon's story teaches us about finding and following God's plan for our life. And it starts in verse 25 where it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And so when it comes to God's plan, the first thing you learn is God does have a plan for your life. And in Simeon's life, before God had a plan for Simeon to be the one who would encounter the Messiah, before God had a plan for Simeon to speak prophetically to Joseph and Mary, before God had a plan for Simeon to be part of the story that we would tell and embrace and find life in for thousands of years afterwards, God's first plan for Simeon was the same plan that he has for you and me, and it was that Simeon would be righteous and devout. We talked last week about how the Holy Spirit comes to make us righteous, to put us in right standing with God. When the angel announce, announces to Joseph the arrival of Jesus, he tells him, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You and I are made to be righteous, to live in right standing with God. And yet our sin has made that impossible for us. My sin, your sin, the things that we've committed against God and his commands have separated us from him. And so at Christmas, we remember not just baby Jesus coming, but we remember Savior Jesus coming to redeem and restore and reconnect everything that sin has broken. And when Simeon is described as righteous, it is not a unique title reserved for a holy man in Israel, but it is the title reserved for every person who places their faith in Jesus Christ. You were made to be the righteous sons and daughters of God. And what sin has taken from you, Jesus comes and restores to you. So no matter what you've done, no matter what other people have said about you, no matter what titles have been placed on you or what has been taken from you, this morning and during this Advent, I hope you hear and understand that God's first plan for your life is to completely wipe away the the sin stains in your heart and restore you into perfect and right standing with God. You are righteous. But then he's also created you to be devout. We talked last week about how we are made to be whole and holy. Righteousness makes us whole, puts us in right standing with God. And holiness then is what it means for Simeon to be devout. It means he took joy in following the path that God laid out for him. He did not take on this calling on his life as some religious burden that he was obligated to carry out, even though he'd rather be doing something else. But instead for Simeon, he found joy in the commands of the Lord. He found joy in the scriptures. He found joy in prayer. He found joy in being the man that God had called him to be. He found joy in being righteous by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him. And so for you and I as well, we're made to be righteous and we're made to be devout and we're made to find joy in the whole process. Jesus doesn't come to take away your fun. He doesn't come to set you on a cold religious path. He doesn't come to make you some stodgy person that no one wants to hang out with. He comes to make you righteous in right standing with God and devout a holy person that has a warm spirit towards God and a warm spirit towards others. This is God's first plan for you. And so what we learn in Simeon's life is before you start asking God, what is your plan for me to do? Your plan is, your, your question is, God, what is your plan for me to be? Who am I supposed to be 
always comes before what am I supposed to do. Now, as Americans, we get that backwards a lot of times because we find so much of our identity in what we do, in my job title, in my accomplishments, in my success. And, and oftentimes in our culture, the more successful you are, the less important it is who you are. Your success can cover up your shortcomings. And yet what we're learning in Simeon's story and what you'll learn throughout the scriptures is that God's first plan always concerns your heart before it concerns your hands. He always brings transformation from the inside out. He always wants to make you righteous and devout and then say, now, as that person, let's walk this path that we have for you. As you keep reading through, through Simeon's story, you find that God not only has this plan to make you righteous and devout, but he also has a very personal plan for you. You go down to verse 26 and it says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. God had a plan for Simeon's life. The Holy Spirit reveals it to him in a personal and powerful way. And we don't know exactly how that comes. You know, in almost every other uh, story in the, the birth story of Jesus, we know how people receive their news. Like we know the angels show up to Joseph and Mary. We know that Joseph hears God's voice in a dream. We know that the, the, the chorus of angels declares who Jesus is to the shepherds. We know God speaks through the stars to the wise men. But with Simeon, all we know is it's been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. We don't know if that was as he read the scriptures. We don't know if that was in a season of prayer. We don't know if it was at the end of a fast. We don't know if it was through another wise person or a prophetic word. We don't know if it was the still, small voice of the Spirit. But the details are not as important as the precedent. And the precedent of Luke chapter 2 is that God not only has a grand plan that you find yourself as his son and daughter, but he has a specific and personal plan for the details of your life. And when he has that, he will reveal it to you in a way that you know, that you hear, that you understand, and that you can obey. And the way the Spirit speaks to me about my, the, his plans for my life might be slightly different from the way he speaks to you. We'll see some commonalities later, and we'll talk about those. But, but we have to allow, there is space for the Spirit to be unique with you and to be unique with me. Because God's plan for you are meant to be revealed to you. And so he's going to speak to you in a way that you understand. He's going to speak to you in a way that you embrace. He's going to speak to you in a way that you know that it's him and that you're willing to obey. And so Simeon's story reminds us that when God has a personal plan for us, he goes out of his way to announce it personally to us. It reflects back to the, the, all through the, the Christmas story where Jesus, every time the announcement is made that Jesus is coming, it's made by God in an undeniably personal way. He shows up to Mary with a personal announcement. He shows up to Joseph with a personal announcement to the shepherds, to the wise men. Again, 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 what we learn is when God has a plan, God reveals his plan, which means God is not keeping his plans for your life a secret from you. He's not waiting for you to be holy enough. He's not waiting for you to get everything in line. He's not waiting for you to read a certain number of chapters in your Bible every day or give a certain amount of money or be like your grandma who always heard God's voice. When God has a plan for you, it's his plan for you and he will reveal it to you. And so the, the, the searching, the longing, the discerning process of seeking God's will is not designed to be a stress-filled experience for followers of Jesus. But you can rest confidently knowing God sees me, he knows me, 
He loves me. He has a plan for me. And he's going to make it so clear that I'd have to be blind, deaf, and foolish to not perceive it. He loves you that much. And this is what we see in, in Simeon's story of Simeon somehow. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Right, which means in some way, Simeon went through a confirmation process. Like there was some way that he confirmed this wasn't just his hope. It wasn't just his dream, but the Holy Spirit himself had come and assured Simeon, you will not die until you see the Messiah. And then what we, what we see in Simeon's story is that our plans will always be part of God's larger plan. You go back to verse 25 and it says that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. So the Holy Spirit will always make God's plan your plan. The consolation of Israel was the, the restoration of the throne of David. So, so just a, a little historical context. When Simeon receives this promise from the Holy Spirit that he will not die until he sees the Messiah, the Messiah was the hope of Israel. The Messiah was the one who was going to come and restore the throne of David. The Messiah was the one who was going to come and kick out all the foreign oppressors. The Messiah was the one who was going to come and restore Israel to their proper place as a city on a hill, a light that could not be extinguished. The Messiah was the one through whom all nations were going to be blessed. And so when it says Simeon is longing for the consolation of Israel, Simeon's plan, Simeon's purpose in life fit underneath God's purpose for Israel. Simeon's personal plan fit with God's kingdom plan. And the same thing is going to happen in your life. God is never going to make you a promise. He's never going to reveal a path to you. He's never going to reveal a plan to you that is at odds with his larger kingdom plans. It's, it's just how he works. So if you're here this morning thinking, you know, I, I feel like God's plan is for me to cheat on my spouse. I can tell you a thousand percent it's not. It's not, it's not at all. If you're thinking Christmas is coming, time to steal from my employer. It's not. That is not the Christmas spirit we're longing for. That is not the Holy Spirit leading you on those paths. We can confidently know when God reveals a plan for me, that plan is going to be part of his larger plan. He's never going to call me to build my kingdom at the expense of his kingdom. He's never going to call me to behave in ways that are at odds with the fruit of the spirit in my life. God's never going to tell me, you know what, Chris, today is actually the day you need to give that guy what he deserves. Today is the day for violent outbursts and hateful speech. Today is the day you can post it all online, everything you've been holding. He never does that. God's plans for me, God's plans for you will always fit under the umbrella of God's plans for his kingdom. It means, so for, for Simeon, the consolation of Israel, because he's longing for the consolation of Israel, his heart is prepared to receive the Messiah. And because the Holy Spirit rests on him, he's in a position where he's ready to hear God's voice. But even as he hears God's voice, again, as we said, there's still some sort of confirmation process that Simeon goes through to make sure this is actually from the Lord and not just his own hopes and dreams. We don't know exactly what that is, but as we consider the larger teaching of Scripture, we see four areas where God typically will speak to us to confirm his will in our life. So the, the first way the Holy Spirit will confirm God's plan for you is through the Scriptures. So if you're in a, a place this morning where you're thinking, I, I really need to hear God's voice, I really need God's direction, 
I need to know, do I stay or do I go? Do I go left or do I go right? Do I move forward? Do I move backward? Do I, do I jump into the relationship? Do I jump out of the relationship? Do I start the company? Do I leave the company? Do I change the degree plan? Do I go to that school? Whatever the decision is this morning, if you're at a crossroads, you have to plant yourself in the scriptures. The scriptures are the clearest and most obvious way that God speaks to his people. And so as followers of Christ, it is, it's foolish of us to say, Lord, I want to hear your voice, and then to spend more time scrolling through social media than we do in the scriptures, right? Like God, God is going to speak through his word. It's useful for everything that we need in our life. And, and the scriptures aren't always going to speak specifically to your situation, right? Like there, you can't find anywhere in Acts where it talks about your 401k, like it's, it's just, it's not there. But you will find scriptural principles and practices and truths that can be applied to every situation. And so if you will come to the scriptures, not just legalistically reading through them, but come and say, Holy Spirit, will you speak to me? And if you'll incorporate them into your life, he will speak again and again and again and, and plant yourself in a community and in friendships where the scriptures are preached and proclaimed to you. They are God's wisdom given to us. And we're so privileged to have access to it. And yet for many of us, when we're in seasons of need and in seasons where we're seeking discernment, for some reason the scriptures can kind of fall to the back as we chase all these other things trying to discern God's will. So elevate the scriptures in your pursuit of hearing God's voice. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is you have to pray. If you want to hear God's voice, you need to spend time talking to him. And we talk to him through prayer. Your, your prayers don't have to be super formal. They don't have to be religious. They don't have to sound like the way other people pray. God's invitation to you to pray is an invitation to communicate with him. And so come to him with your needs. Come to him with your honesty. Come to him longing for everything you need from him. The scriptures promise us that when we need wisdom, we can ask God and he will graciously give it to us. They tell us that the gifts of the Holy Spirit include knowledge and wisdom and discernment. And so if you're in a spot today where you think, I need God's direction, then begin to pray that God will give you the wisdom he, he's promised. Begin to pray that God will release the gifts that he has for you. Begin to ask him to speak clearly to you. And as you pray, don't spend all your time just telling him. Spend some time listening as well, asking him to speak, asking him to lead, asking him to guide, and he will do it. And then the, the other way that many of us will hear God's voice is through community. Right? In, in a community of believers who are submitted to the scriptures and who are praying together, we will hear God's voice. I mean, I, I know for, for me personally, I, I could tell you innumerable stories of God using other believers, men and women, in seasons of decision in my life to speak words of confirmation to me, sometimes to speak words of challenge and conviction to me, sometimes to come alongside and say, we have no idea either, but we will happily pray with you, right? And, and this happens, but, but what I can tell you with 100% certainty is if you are planted in a community that submits to the authority of scriptures and is committed to praying with each other and for each other, it always makes it easier to discern God's will in your life. Every single time. 
I think there, there are two primary reasons that many of us do not have this experience of community in seasons of discerning God's direction. The first is that we lack relationships where we're comfortable telling other people what's really going on in our life. Right? If, if you want to benefit from community, you have to be in community. And to be in community requires an investment of your time and your energy. Right? And, and that has to push beyond gathering together on a Sunday morning. It has to push beyond a home group. In fact, I would tell you this morning, if you're in a spot where you can't think of 10 believers, that if you're in a serious need of needing God's direction and guidance, if you can't think of 10 other believers that you can call, text, or reach out to and say, here's what's going on, describe the situation fully to them, and ask them to pray for you, and know they're going to pray for you, then you do not have enough experience of healthy Christian community in your life, right? And you could say, well, how'd you pick 10? I don't know. Just it seemed like a good number, right? Jesus had 12 disciples. One of them was bad. So we just knocked it down one extra to take the pressure off, right? So 10, just 10. Do you have 10? And, and some of you are like, I don't have 10, but I have five couples. That counts too, right? That's, that's 10 people total. That's good. But, but all of us, if you're there and you're thinking, I got, I got one, I got none, I got two, I got three, like just keep expanding the circle because here's the thing. It's not just about what you need, but there are also a lot of other people out there that need a real sense of community, right? And you might have your three or four ride or die friends. You're like, you know what? I honestly, I don't want any more. God needs you to have some more. Open the circles, open your heart, begin to hear. And then the, the second reason sometimes we don't hear God's will in community is because we don't take our needs to others we're in community with. Because we know what they're going to say, and we don't want to hear it. And I, I know none of you have ever been there, so just let me give you a generic example of someone that you've never known and, and will never meet. But uh, I've, got, I've got pastor friends all over the country. And we have all been doing this for a while now. And what we have found is that, you know, the problems people have in Tulsa are the same problems people have in Sacramento and the same problems they have in Pittsburgh and the same problems they have in India and the same problems they have in Germany and the same problems they have in Nebraska. And so as we start to talk, we just hear different things. And, and you know, again, not, not that this would ever happen here, but for my other pastor friends in their churches, sometimes people will come to them and they'll say, hey, pastor, I need your advice my life's a disaster. I made these choices in my marriage and now I'm suffering the consequences. I entered into this relationship that I knew I shouldn't. And now I'm dealing with this headache. I, I made these poor choices at work and now I'm doing this. Uh, we, we had these financial struggles and I just kind of made them worse. And, and, and oftentimes they'll, they'll express of like, you know, I just, I just, I probably should have come to talk to you before I did it, but I knew what you were going to say. And I didn't want to hear it. I knew you were going to tell me that heading to the casino to try to cash in and pay off my, my mortgage that I was three months behind in was a bad financial decision. But I just really felt lucky that day. I knew you were going to tell me that that girl who screams at me in the church parking lot was probably not the ideal bride. But she was so pretty. Right? I knew that you were going to tell me that whatever it is, right? There's always that, like, I knew what I was going to hear and I didn't want to hear it. So I did what I wanted to do anyways. And so, so my encouragement to you today is if you're in a spot where you're considering something that you don't want anyone else's opinion on, just stop it. Stop it right now. 
Don't do it. Get out of it. Don't go down that path anymore. If your thought is like, I'd be embarrassed for my parents to know. I'd be embarrassed for my kids to know. I'd be embarrassed for my friends to know. I would never admit this in a home group. I'm not talking to Chris or any of those other nicer pastors either. Like, I'm just, if, if that's you, just stop. Like the fact that you won't embrace those situations, those conversations in community is a warning sign, not just a warning sign. Like the whole engine is smoking, the car's on fire. It's God trying to tell you, stop, 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 stop. Don't do it. And, and, And so, but if we'll place ourselves in community and if we'll be humble, and, and in community, seeking to, act, to discern the Lord's will doesn't just mean me saying to you, hey, I need you to pray for me. It also requires me saying to you, I need you to pray for me, and I need you to speak truthfully to me about what God says to you. Because we live in a very nice culture. And so you might have a friend who comes and says, hey, I'm, I'm praying about marrying this guy. And you pray about it, and you're like, that is, that is not the person for you. Like, that's just not. It's a disaster. I feel like the Lord has spoken to me. And, and then she comes back the next day and she's like, check out my ring. Like, oh, congratulations. When's the shower, right? And, and, and you just, we live in such a nice culture that sometimes we don't want to speak truthfully to each other. And so it, it kind of falls back on me and it falls back on you. Of when I'm in a season of discernment, I don't want your nice prayers to just affirm what I think I already want to do. I need you to ask God to give you clarity and direction, and then I need you to speak truthfully to me. And sometimes that truth is going to be, yes, do it. It's a massive step of faith, but let's go. And sometimes it's going to be absolutely not, run the other direction. And sometimes it's going to be, I don't know, let's keep asking the Lord. But he will speak and he will reveal. And then the fourth and final way that God will speak to us is through our circumstances. Now, uh, just a, a word of warning here. For some of us, when we're trying to discern God's will in our life, we skip right past the scriptures, right past prayer, right past community, and we go straight to circumstances. And we just, it just it, let me gently tell you, that is a terrible pagan way to make decisions. Right? Like that's, that's, we don't believe in the winds of fate. We don't believe that just the color of the bird that flew by in the morning is how you make the decision over who you marry or what job you take. Like that's, that's not the way it goes. But sometimes, again, especially if we're considering a decision that we know is maybe not God's plan for us, we'll skip past the scriptures, we'll skip past prayer, we'll skip past community, we'll just go to circumstances. You know, so, so for me, like I, I have a, a deep longing in my heart to own a brand new red Corvette. Love them. They're beautiful. Every year, they're prettier than they were the year before. Just, they're more powerful. They're more expensive. They're so expensive, right? And so I've never seriously considered it because I can't afford a car that is more than my house, right? Like, that's just, that seems like an unwise financial decision for a 40-year-old father with three kids that'll be in college in the next six years. And, and yet, if I just adopted a circumstantial approach to making decisions— well, I could skip past the scriptures and what they tell me about being a wise steward, and I could skip through prayer where the Lord would tell me, that's dumb. And I could skip past community where all of you would tell me, that is not the choice for you to make. And I could drive to lunch today and go buy a dealership that sells red Corvettes and see one sitting on the corner and think, that's my sign. Time to sign my life away. And good news, I sold the house. Better news, I bought the Corvette. Kids, you have to find somewhere to live, right? Like it's, it's just not going to work well. And, and obviously that's ridiculous. And yet many of us in decisions, we will skip past the scriptures, past prayer, past community, and just say, well, I just, I saw a sign. I, ha- I felt a feeling. I had one friend out of a hundred that told me it was a good idea. So that's the one I chose to go with. Never mind that their life is also a complete dumpster fire. 
just, I mean, in this situation, they affirmed what I wanted to do. So I got the face tattoo and let's go, right? Like you just, we just, we figure it out and we work around it. And yet what Simeon's story is teaching us is when the Holy Spirit has a plan for you, no matter how outrageous or extravagant it might be. I mean, just stop for a minute to think. The Holy Spirit told Simeon, you will not die until you see the Messiah. This is the promise that Israel had been longing for for centuries. And Simeon has heard it, and it's been confirmed by the Holy Spirit. And then what we see in Simeon's story is that the Holy Spirit will continue to move us in the right direction to experience the fulfillment of God's promises and God's plan. In verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon's story teaches us that the Holy Spirit directs and redirects us in God's plan. When the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, you will not die until you see the Messiah, we don't know how Simeon took that. We don't know what he anticipated. We don't know what the time frame might have been. We don't know if that was a promise that the Holy Spirit gave to Simeon as a young man and he waited decades until the end of his life. We don't know if Simeon thought, great, I'll see the Messiah. It's going to be a conquering king who restores the throne of David in Jerusalem. It's going to be the leader of a a warrior leader who kicks Rome out of here. Most likely, Simeon did not expect that the Messiah would be an eight-day-old baby held by a young rural couple of no significant standing at all. And yet, Simeon trusted because the Holy Spirit had directed him to this plan, the Holy Spirit would reveal when it was time for the fulfillment of that plan. It's a reminder to us that when God reveals his plan for your life, he doesn't give you a destination and wish you good luck. But instead, he says, as you're heading in that direction, you're going to live in a life of constant communication with the Holy Spirit. Because there's going to be obstacles and there's going to be detours and there will be hills and there will be valleys and there will be dark nights and there will be extended seasons where you wonder, is God going to do the thing that he said he would do? But if you will continue to walk with the spirit, you can trust that he will lead and direct you in every moment. Simeon's life could be redirected by the spirit because he was directed by the spirit. When you walk in the divine power of the Holy Spirit every day, it makes it more likely and more common for you to experience divine direction, divine appointments, and divine interruptions in your life. For Simeon, he's just going about the course of his day, and the Holy Spirit says, go to the temple. And so what we read in Luke is he goes to the temple and he begins to wait in the temple courts. As far as we know, Simeon doesn't know who he's looking for. He doesn't know when Mary and Joseph are going to arrive. He likely doesn't know that just eight days prior, the Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. All he knows is the Spirit said, go. And so he goes. And he's standing in the temple, and and at some point during the day, he sees this young couple walk in. And there is something inside of him that almost leaps out of his chest. And he knows that's the Messiah. And Simeon rushes over to Mary and he snatches that baby right out of her arms. 
which just think of how culturally different that is than today. Right? I mean, gosh, if Mary was here today in Tulsa in 2022, bringing her eight-day-old baby to church and some random old man ran across the room and snatched your baby, you'd be like, it's RSV season. Stop. Like, don't kiss him. Have you been vaccinated? No. Get away. Have you been vaccinated? Yes. Get away. Right? Like, we just have, we'd have all of our reasons of don't touch my kid. But Simeon, there's something that happens. The Spirit directs him. The Spirit moves him. He sees Jesus, and he goes and snatches him. And in a moment, Simeon holds the promise. And I, I don't know, I, I can think of examples in my life. I'm sure many of you can think of those examples in your life where God spoke. And he said, this is the plan, and this is the personal plan, and this is how I'm going to do it. And he directed you, and he redirected you, and it might have been a long season of waiting. There might have been some twists and turns you didn't anticipate. There might have been some, some tears and some pain. There might have been some doubts and some questions. But at some point, somewhere, someplace, you held God's promise in your hand. I mean, for some of you, you remember that moment, that promise, just like it was for Simeon. For you, the promise was a baby. You longed and you prayed and you cried out to the Lord and then he answered and in a hospital room or a DHS office or your own home for the first time you held that child in your arms. And whether it was your own by birth or it was a 13-year-old that became yours through adoption, as you held that child, you knew, I'm holding the promise of God. For others of you, it was the day you walked across that stage at graduation. When you achieved the moment that no one else in your family had ever achieved because God had spoken to you about his purposes and his plans for your life. For some of you, it was the day that you walked out of the sobriety program completely free from the addiction, embracing the promise that God had had. For some of you, it was the day you hugged your mom and dad after decades of separation and hardship. For others, it was the day you started the business. For some, it was the day you sold the business. It was their first day on the job. It was your last day on the job. But somewhere along the way, every man and woman woman who follows Jesus Christ at some point in life receives a promise, walks the path of the promise, and eventually experiences the fulfillment of the promise. When the Holy Spirit reveals God's plans for you, it's not just a carrot at the end of the stick to keep you going in the right direction. It's a promise that God intends to fulfill. And so my encouragement to you today is just keep walking. Just keep in step with the Spirit, and you can trust that if he needs to redirect you, he will. But God will get you in the right place at the right time to do the right things, to speak the right words, to see the fulfillment of every promise that he has made to you. And that the beautiful thing of Simeon's story is that when Simeon experiences that promise, it's not just encouraging to him. But it's encouraging to Joseph and to Mary. And then thousands of years later, still encouraging to you and to I as well. Let's finish up in in Luke chapter 2, verse 33. Simeon holds Jesus in his arms and declares, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then in verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. 
God's plan for Simeon's life was not just to let him see the Messiah, but it was also to use Simeon's fulfilled promise as an encouragement to Joseph and Mary. Right? And, and so what you un- need to understand in your life is that the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to others through your obedience to God's plan for your life. And so God's plan for your life, we've already said, it's about his kingdom. It's about his purposes. It's about his plans. And when you obey the things that God has told you to do, it makes it easier for others to find and follow Jesus. It makes it easier for others to obey the things that God has told him, them to do. When you tell me your story of God's provision, when you tell me your story of chasing the promise, when you tell me your story of God redirecting you, it gives me hope that he's still doing the same thing for me. It helps me know what God has done for you, he's going to do for me. The promises he fulfilled, he's going to fulfill for me. The way that he confirmed his word to you, he's going to confirm it to me. Your obedience, God's plan, it's never just about you. Simeon's life reminds us when you walk by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will use every part of your life to point other people to Jesus Christ. So think about Joseph and Mary that day. They, they have given birth to Jesus just eight days earlier in Bethlehem. They've made the trip as their new young family into Jerusalem. They come to the temple to have Jesus circumcised on the eighth day. They've both heard from the Lord, Mary through an angelic visitation. Joseph has heard from the Lord as well. It's been confirmed by Elizabeth. The shepherds have shown up and told them about this chorus of angels that have declared the greatness of Jesus to them. They've had all these points of confirmation that God is who he says he is and he's doing what he says he's doing. This is who this child will be. And yet on that day, the eighth day, they walk into the temple courts and Here comes this old man that snatches their baby out of their arms. And as he holds that baby, he begins to prophetically declare who Jesus is and what Jesus will do. As far as we know, he doesn't stop to ask Mary and Joseph what God has said to them about this baby. He just tells them, this is what God has said to me. And as Simeon speaks his words, if there are any remaining doubts, in Mary and Joseph's heart and mind about who Jesus is, they are driven out through Simeon's prophecy. My eyes have seen the salvation of Israel. The one who will cause the rising and falling, who will expose the thoughts of many. And Mary and Joseph one more time are assured, Jesus is who God said he would be. And he will do what God said he will do. And in the same way, when you follow God's path for your life, you will be in the right places at the right time to speak the right words to the right people. And you think you're just showing up to go to work. You think you're just going to school. You think you just got a good deal on the house. But in everyone, God is using your life as part of his grander plan to orchestrate everything, to reveal Jesus to all of us. So if you're in a a space this morning where you're saying, Lord, will you speak? Will you lead? Will you guide? Will you reveal? Will you tell me what to do? My prayer is not only will God speak clearly to you, but that he'll give you a bigger, more eternal understanding of the decisions you're making, not to add weight to it, but to add joy and significance to it. He wants to use every part of your life to build his kingdom everywhere that you go. Will you stand with me so that I can pray for you? Jesus, we come to you today and we are thankful that you are still the God who directs us. The Holy Spirit, you see the decisions that we have to make. 
You know, those of us, Lord, who are struggling to know, do we stay or do we go? Do we move forward or backward? Lord, I pray specifically for those who are, are facing difficult relationship decisions, difficult professional decisions, difficult educational decisions, difficult health decisions, difficult financial decisions. Lord, for, for every space where we're coming today saying we need your direction, Holy Spirit, will you come and speak clearly to us? We come to lay down our plans. We come to lay down our desires and to receive only what you have for us. Lord, we believe that you have a path that leads to life for each and every one of us. So Lord, I pray for those who may have never begun their relationship with you today. May they ask you to forgive them of their sins. May you begin the process of making them whole and holy. And Lord, for those seeking your will, asking for your discernment, today, will you speak clearly to us? In the coming weeks and months, will you speak to us through your scriptures, through our prayers? through the community you've planted us in and through our circumstances. Holy Spirit, we believe you are the one who leads us and guides us. So we submit to you, we surrender to you. We ask for the ability to hear your voice and the faith to follow where you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.